It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Paul Francis swings across it himself. Gosling at the back post. Knocked it down. And they're on to it. They are winning! A first Premier League goal for the Cherries for Phil Billing. Knocked down into the penalty area. Smashed home with his left foot beyond Pepe Reina. And the Cherries do get their noses in front. Form of one, Villanelle. Good morning and welcome to episode 77 of Back at the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and with me is Jeff Hayward. Jeff, loving the weekend for once. It's good to finally feel good after a Saturday game and it was a brilliant win. 2-1 over Villa. Got a bit of momentum now heading into Sheffield United next week and fingers crossed the players can keep putting in these performances Currently 16th in the Premier League, two points above safety. Still lots more to do, but encouraging signs from Eddie Howe's men. On this show, we're going to go over that match at Dean Court. Brilliant game, brilliant day. We'll also be previewing the Blades Encounter next Sunday, which is live on BT Sport, I think. It's a two o'clock kickoff there. We also speak to Dan Hall. Now, if you don't know Dan, he's been fighting leukemia for a long time, for, for years now. And he's got a really good connection with the club. So much so, he did a bit of a team talk. If you're ever wondering that the club is maybe losing its connection with fans, then stay tuned because we'll hear from the horse's mouth and hear what he had to say and the players' reactions from his team talk. Which, Dan, I'm not being funny, it obviously works. We need you in there every week, mate. Also, of course, we've got Do You Remember? So, let's get started. Do you remember? Do you remember? So, yeah, trivia time. And there's an Aston Villa and Bournemouth connection with this particular person that we're going to mention. Maybe I've said that and it's perhaps given the game away already. However, here's the clue. And it comes from the man himself. Before playing for Weymouth in the late 80s, I joined Bournemouth for 50,000, where I played 62 matches for the Cherries between 1989 and 1991. Before I joined Aston Villa, where I played 147 matches, scoring two. Plus, I'm a League Cup winner. Who am I? Can you guess who it is yet? If you can, well done. Uh, The answer's going to be at the end of the show. So... What a game it was at the weekend. I was there, I was armed with my microphone and there's some raw match audio coming up. 
big hello to Martin the Posty, who's uh, probably on his round now, listening to this. Saw you and Paul in the 1910 bar, and um, he appreciates the warnings of F-bombs, and yeah, there may be one or two thrown in, plus the odd SH1 teacher and the chat with Jeff too, so just a heads up. However, enjoy this, and what an afternoon it was. chances haven't we we've had the bulk of possession Villa haven't really done much well as long as Bournemouth get three points we're happy right two right let's say cheers 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 no it wasn't a tie Ramsdale should have come for that Ramsdale should have come for that didn't need to. Did not need to. Two one. Hey, it's Claire Carlin here. Um, an ecstatic, ecstatic North Stand season ticket holder after today's fantastic victory against Aston Villa. I was pretty sure that we were almost condemned for relegation prior to Brighton. I just couldn't see things turning around, and I'm. One of the most optimistic of fans at times, but I was I was struggling to really enjoy it. I was getting bored. I didn't just didn't see things changing. But Brighton things really did change. And then against Arsenal, I thought there was glimpses in that performance. So it was fantastic. And today I went in before today's game, really believing that today was that going to be that all decided. It was more than a six point a game, and we really stood out stood out and shone today. The first half performance was the best half performance I've seen us play, most certainly this season, but probably in the Premier League altogether. First balls were fantastic, the pace was brilliant, the commitment, the passion, the boys really wanted it and it was a really worthy and proud performance. And obviously then the sending off did really did change things and it, and it shouldn't have done because that was never a sending off, never a yellow card and I think everyone admits that and everyone... Is, is moving forward and saying that Sky Sports, BBC, everyone we've spoken to is saying that that was not a yellow card, that was harsh. Um, and obviously Eddie mentioned that in his post-match interview as well. That's a real, real shame. But the boys had an option, didn't they? And they gritted in, they went for it, it didn't let them get down and they just kept pushing on and pushing on. And I just thought we, we really, really stood out today. I was really glad that we didn't get on Fraser's back because that wouldn't have helped anyone even post his comments this week. And I just think today the man of the match for them most was definitely was a referee. And for us to still try to come out with them points was fantastic. And the man of the match today, you know, can go to any number of players. But I think the fans today were phenomenal. The atmosphere was something else. It was like we'd won the FA Cup today, the FA Cup final. And I'm really proud to be an AFC Bournemouth fan um, all the time, but particularly this evening. Just pure passion, adrenaline atmosphere you know you couldn't even hear yourself self think and fans stood up and cheering it was just something else we've just got to take that now into Sheffield United and Burnley and I do seriously believe that these lads have got everything in them to stay up this season 
up the cherries in all departments. Hi Sam, Jeff zzz, walking back from Dean Court to Southbourne. Just dropped one of the numerous Keith Brewers off at Pokesdown Station to catch his train home. Uh, thought it was a good performance from the cherries today. 2-0 up in the first half. Uh, totally dominating the game. Missed a couple of good chances as well. Um, only looked one team in it. Uh, second half, obviously, referee decides to get involved and um, give Villa a chance. Um, fortunately, he was able to hang on to the 2-1 victory. I thought the referee was dreadful, really, really poor. You wouldn't really normally say that when you've won the game, but I thought he was dreadful. Uh, Mings didn't look any better than I remembered him. Pretty awful, as usual. Never rated him. Um, Grealish, don't like him. Falls over all the time. Just just hope they go down, to be fair. Although Villa, to be fair, is quite a nice away day. There we go. Um, what else? Thought the fans were excellent today. Uh, North Stand absolutely rocking. Uh, heard noise from the whole, whole ground. So great support for the team in the ground. I'm uh, looking forward to going to Bramble Lane next week. Uh, got a carload going there. So uh, early start, early kickoff on the Sunday. Looking forward to it. Up the cherries. Cheers. Come on, boys. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised, to be honest with you, Sam. My biggest fear all week was that Lemo would get booked early on for a foul on Grealish, and then Grealish would run the show by doing what he's so good at, getting in between the lines, finding space, and he would just pick us apart. Part of that came true, but happily, <laughs> happily yeah, only the first part. After that, um, we played we played probably as defensively sound a performance as I've seen us put in the season. And I think big credit to two of the most maligned players in the squad, Simon Francis and Philip Billing, who I think both had their, their best games of the season. Yeah. Francis, I, I thought in the, the 90th minute, they actually I haven't really noticed him today, which is which is that, as big a compliment a thing, as we can come it? to. Yeah. Yeah. Him, him and Billing, I thought, were immense today. And when players that we've we've all criticised, that we've all seen comments on Twitter, comments online about, step up like that, I think it's brilliant. And the uh, the atmosphere with the squad and all the, all the staff on the pitch at the end there, fantastic to see. There's a real... It feels like the togetherness is still there, and that's all we can really ask for. Yeah, I mean, everybody put in a shift. Well, yeah. was, well Arsenal was just wasn't that good. Um, none, none of them really put in a shift, so it's good to see Wee Man have a go, um, Adam Smith maybe. So, yeah, it's really good, just really happy. Who was your man of the match today for Bournemouth? Uh, uh, i say Philip Billing. He just got a goal, he did some good defending. Yeah, overall, great performance. Well, how good was yesterday? Absolutely brilliant. I haven't enjoyed a game uh, like that at home for, well, I can't remember the last time. It was, it was brilliant. Uh, we pressed with conviction. Uh, we had courage in our passing, uh, particularly Rico, I thought, who, who, who took some risks, but we showed a lot of skill to get out of some difficult situations and, and set us up in attack. We had accuracy and finesse in what we were doing. There was less of the, um, the little errors that we'd be making from time to time. Absolutely brilliant. I thought Billing was outstanding uh, with Lerma. Uh, Callum was sharp. Uh, he held up the ball well. Fraser, um, despite his interview midweek, uh, which I thought was poor. I don't know who his advisors are, but anyway, I thought he had a great game and showed real appetite for what he was doing. Um, we rode our luck a little bit in the first half, but you know when you've got a player like Grealish, it pains me to say it, but he, he's a very good player. Um, you know They are going to create opportunities, but, but we rode our luck a bit and we defended well. Um, second half, obviously... Uh, we had to dig in. We went down to 10 men and we did. Um, Grealish had that time and space uh, that he didn't have in the first half once he managed to get Lerma sent off, which I thought was an absolutely ridiculous decision. But there were good performances all over the pitch. It's really hard to single anyone out. What I would say is I've been particularly critical of Billing over the last few weeks. I thought he was very, very good yesterday. Um, so fair play to him. I do feel, um, I really feel that the foundation of the team's performance um, was the atmosphere created by the crowd um, and we need to try and carry that into the next game against Chelsea. Away games at Burnley, I think, and Sheffield United to come. My feeling is that we need to get a minimum of two points from those games uh, to keep things ticking along and maintain um, our position. There is a long way to go. I think the difference at the moment is not so much the fact that we've got these two wins at home, but the fact that we've produced performances that we're capable of, uh, and that bodes well for the coming weeks. So, brilliant. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
So, three points to Bournemouth at the weekend as we overcame Aston Villa 2-1 at Dean Court. With me is Jeff Hayward. Jeff, how are you? I'm feeling fantastic. Isn't it lovely to have a weekend full of smiles rather than the usual Sunday reaction that we've had recently, eh? Yeah, totally. What a performance. The boys were amazing. Really good. It feels like a weight off our shoulders. It's not quite over yet. There's still lots and lots to do. However, it's just the manner of the performance that is really exciting again. And once again, we can watch Bournemouth and look forward to games rather than think I'm going to have to watch this through the crevices in my hands. Indeed. And there were so many things that were were good about yesterday. I mean, it's been a... It's been a funny week uh, with the build-up to the game, with uh, the interview that Ryan Fraser did yeah. and the, the late news that United were coming in for Josh King. And we all thought at one point when Eddie did that press conference uh, in the morning that actually there was a chance that might happen. Thankfully, it didn't. Um, but it was a bit of a weird build-up to the game. And uh, then you had, on the Villa side, they, of course, got through to the Carabao Cup final with a fantastic win themselves. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what was your overall feeling after the transfer window? I suppose it was a relative success, given that we weren't expecting any incomings. To hear that Josh King was being teed up by Manchester United, then you're thinking, well, I mean, he's probably going to want to go back, isn't he? But apparently their offer was quite measly, £20 and we were never going to let him go for that, were we? No, and uh, the sign of desperation at United that uh, they went in also for Rondon and eventually got Igalo, who the, both of those two playing in China. So Bizarre. it was it was all a bit kind of what are they what are they doing? I don't think they'd really thought it through. They were panicking. Um, I think the most important thing from our perspective keep hold of Nathan Ake, mm. and we did that. Now that means that when Chelsea want to come in and buy him, they they're going to have to pay a premium price. They yeah. don't get first refusal. So that's great. Yeah, no, that uh, that is really good. And for me, uh, keeping hold of Josh King is, I think, is a relative success for our transfer window, really. I mean, yes, it, you know, it sounds like he is one of the players that could be primed to leave the club at the end of the season, maybe along with people like Nathan Ake. However, to have him for these 13 games or whenever he comes back, I think is huge for us. And uh, conversely, many people on Twitter are saying, well, you know, he's not going to be up for it. I don't think that's the case. Josh King, um, I think, is going to be well up for it. And he doesn't usually put in a poor performance. And he's going to show that energy and fight that we need. And having him back and then David Brooks potentially coming back at the end of February as well. It could be an exciting sort of two or three months for the Cherries. Yeah, that's really encouraging. What was also good yesterday was that Stanislas was back on the bench. Yeah. I know he, he breaks down every couple of games that he does play, but he, he I think, will be important to to bolster the team. I'm a little bit worried about uh, about um, our left-back situation. You know, we seem to have bought another, another very easily breakable player. Um, however, you know, Lloyd Kelly, when he does play eventually, well, he's going to have to fight to get his plays because Rico is having a, a blinding couple of matches, isn't he? You know, so that that's kind of okay mm. at the moment. Well, uh, you um, know, we have yeah. to hope that the left-back, because uh, Brad Smith's, you know, off somewhere, isn't he? Or, you know, gone somewhere, so... Yeah, he's gone, and I think Dobre got loaned out to Wigan, didn't he? Yeah. Which uh, will probably be good for him, because he's got a lot of potential. So, not a bad transfer window. Yeah, I hope so. There were many people before this match, uh, especially after the Arsenal one, where a number of players, once again, didn't really put in the performances, um, who were saying that players like Dobre and Sam Surridge should be starting. Um, however, what we got was uh, a formation that you know we've seen numerous times before. Um, it was that sort of hybrid 4-5-1, 4-3-3 you know 4-3-3 when we're attacking and 4-5-1 when we're you know trying to get men behind the ball to defend yeah which was a, a slight difference to the uh, Brighton lineup where we played two up top with Solanke and Wilson and it, actually Solanke dropped to the bench um, we kind of thought that well we knew that Villa would play with three centre halves mm-hmm. so kind of back five and um, what I was worried about was that we wouldn't have enough going forward because we played that formation against Burnley where they defended you know, deeply and we didn't have a clue. Mm. Um, however, totally different result this time. It actually felt like that was the right formation and tactically Eddie got it spot on because the players performed for him. One of the only um, 
surprises, I suppose, with Simon, with Simon Francis's inclusion ahead of Steve Cook, who I would have thought would have just been a shoo-in for that position. But um, it's quite a good thing that Frano can come in and put in an assured performance because it means Steve Cook's got to work harder to get his place back. And, yeah, to his credit, I thought that Frano went well. So we had Adam Smith, Frano, Ake, Rico... And then across the middle, Gosling, Lerman, Billing with Harry Wilson and Callum Wilson. Uh, sorry, Ryan Fraser out wide, and then Callum Wilson playing that solitary role up front. So it's a four-five-one, and uh, we're kicking towards the north stand in the first half, which you know many of us who mm. are especially in the north stand don't particularly like. But we started quite well, didn't we? We did. It, it was uh, really interesting to see from the moment we kicked off. We, I mean, how many teams play that sort of aimless long ball? To the to the channel mm. from the kickoff, and you know you normally concede possession straight away. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know of any time that that actually works in in doing something. Yesterday, mm. from the moment we did that, the ball came off the Villa player. Callum was pressurising him, I think, mm. and we get a throw in deep in their half, and it set the tone. Mm. It was just from that moment on, they were really up for it. The players had a, a ton of energy. We pressed really well. We started very aggressively, and it was it was brilliant to see. Do you think um, that I said this on the vlog actually that I put out on YouTube over the weekend? But do you think Ryan Fraser almost created a rod for his own back by coming out with that statement in the week? Because he basically, I mean, to use a Borisism, he he made himself an you know like an oven ready scapegoat. Uh, basically, whenever <laughs> he doesn't perform, you know, fans would get, could easily get on his back quicker than they would anyone else based on what he said. However. He sort of um, maybe that's motivated him because I thought he put in a really good shift and he was the centre of most good things that happened in the first half. I thought he he was uh, he was great yesterday. Ryan Fraser is is uh, a young guy. We shouldn't we shouldn't forget yeah. that. He's actually it's quite refreshing to have someone as honest talking to the fans, talking to the media. Um, you know he's not media trained i think he's a bit naive in the way his relationship is with his agent yeah i don't i don't think he's that kind of uh sure of what he actually wants and um what what i liked about the way he played yesterday was he played he played like he can play mm. you know he was really looking to take them on all the time he was playing playing very intelligently winning free kicks uh, getting getting the ball into the box dangerously and doing the work at the back as well. You know, he was chasing back and he, he put in a real shift, which which was fantastic. And maybe, you know, we're all different. He, I think you're right. I think he's the sort of guy who needs to offload how he feels, put it out there, and then he feels better. Mm. That's just the way he is. It, it's, it's not the way I do it, probably not the way you do it either, mm, put, yeah. it, put it out so public, but... That's the way he is, and you know, the way that Eddie sort of put his arm around him at the end, it made you think. Well, they've got a special relationship. They're a bit father son, aren't they? Maybe the, you know, every family has a bust up, don't they? Yeah, and you know, it wasn't Eddie that basically taught Ryan to cook or got someone in to actually That's prepare right. his meals yeah. and make sure he was eating right when it was a diet of pizzas and all sorts when he yeah. first joined the club. I mean, as far as I was concerned, as I said on Twitter, Fraser had three options really. Um, he could have. He could, I mean, whether it was a pre-arranged interview with Radio Sonar, I don't know, but he could have just done the whole media gloss, media-trained answers. Um, mm. He could have said nothing about it, or he could have agreed with what fans have thought all along, which is basically what he did. And I, I think he thought that latter technique was the best way to apologise, but really it wasn't. Top performances do that. I think... There was a lot of outrage on Twitter because of it. I think it was as misplaced as the statement itself, really. Um, yeah. It was quite funny because, you know, us fans all thought it, but just just the fact that he said it seemed to aggravate a lot of people. But, like I said, he's he's basically motivated himself to put in some good performances now. I think there are you know reasons that he needs to put in a good performance. One, for his own career, for, you know, the best clubs to come in for him at the end of the season. But also you know based on what he said he has to now because fans will be right on his back but I thought he did really well and there were a number of standout performers in that first half mm. um, many of which have been up for criticism recently including a certain Philip Billing Philip Billing I got it wrong you are great <laughs> you are you are the world beater 
Yeah, what was what was brilliant about Billing? I mean, we kind of we kind of take for granted that he's going to make those interceptions, win the win the headers at the first sort of at the near post. You know, he was even beating Tyrone Mings in the AS day, which was brilliant to see. But it was the way he played going forwards that I'm going to say it was a complete midfielder performance. Mm. That's that's what you want. He picked up the ball early on and had a really decent effort that Pepperina saved. Mm. Um, he he played a reverse pass with his right foot without looking mm. to send Harry Wilson through. I mean, it was instinctive. That's that's the sort of creativity we want. Somebody can do that. And the number of times that he was the furthest forward midfield player and got in behind Villa was. Mm. Uh, it was just brilliant. It's just brilliant. What an engine it, yesterday. It's almost like he's taken a leaf out of Dan Gosling's book by getting in those positions. I did some analysis on YouTube um, after Dan Gosling uh, put in that worldly performance against Chelsea. And I said, you know, he's a, he's a great option because he's that box-to-box midfielder. And mm. there were numerous times where he was the furthest attacking midfielder and he was always in the box even there were times where he was in the box where Callum uh, sorry when Josh King wasn't against Chelsea and vice versa it, it it just seemed to be that um he's getting in those positions now and he was there at the right time to open up the scoring for AC Bournemouth but credit must also go to a certain Simon Francis who's another maligned player who did well to keep it in and then get that cross in yeah another much maligned player in fact take it back just a little bit further to the actual free kick itself. So that's Ryan Fraser turning Tyrone Mings and getting tripped, getting Tyrone Mings booked, result. Um, The ball comes across. What a sweet delivery that was from Rico. Mm. Really dangerous cross that came in. Uh, Francis retrieves it, keeps the ball in play. And then, again, we've criticised Francis a lot for having the option to cross Mm. and not taking it. Well, they've obviously decided that they are going to cross the ball and the chances there. He crossed it. Gosling, sweet setup, mm. billing, can't miss. Two, Brilliant. There's two matches in a row that Ryan Fra- uh, that uh, Simon Fra- Simon Fraser Simon Francis has now put the ball <laughs> into the box. It's resulted in a goal, obviously for Sam Savage yeah. against Arsenal. And yeah, it just shows that pumping it in the box certainly. And Philip Billing, um, really composed finish. He ran onto it with his left, uh, tucked it nicely away, and it was nice to see him celebrate and have a smile on his face because he often walks around the pitch like he doesn't really care and isn't emotionally invested in everything but it's clear that he was and he ran over to the main stand and uh, well the corner he did a bit of a knee slide and so good to see and from yeah. then you just thought oh my goodness have we got our Bournemouth back yeah definitely felt like that way the 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 teamwork and the camaraderie was really great to see mm. everybody celebrated um, it was it was just a brilliant brilliant goal and I think there was um, there was a, a move just before that, which again was kind of real Bournemouth, where we passed the ball from, I think it was from our uh, halfway line mm. right through, um, and it was uh, Harry Wilson pulled it back for Gosling, who should have scored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hits it over, was that just before? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. Just before, that but the, inter- the interplay then between Smith, between Billing and Harry Wilson to Gosling, I mean, it was beautiful. That's... That's how we can play. Yeah. That's how we can play. And we know that if we can get our creative players in behind the opposition, we will cause problems. Yeah. And we did. And I think with the with the, the the team spirit, the surge, the atmosphere, I mean, just watching that game, you could see that... the, the I don't know what it... Well, yeah. I do know what it was like because yeah. I've read all the reviews, but the, the atmosphere, it was... A lot of people have been saying it's the best atmosphere that's been at Dean Court for a while. I thought the atmosphere at Brighton, the Brighton match was you know pretty decent. Um, but uh, it's, it's just so frustrating seeing us now put in these performances, whereas, you know, we had the same personnel, you know, three, four games ago, and we just didn't perform anything like it. I, I, I don't know what's happened, but something has, and it's a good thing that's happened, and it's just nice to see uh, Bournemouth playing like we can. And now, we, you know, we're looking at the matches ahead thinking, well, you know, we can win these matches rather than think, oh, we can scrape a draw. Of course, we'll get on to, uh, you know, talking about future games, of course. Um, but, yeah, really good. And how nice is it to see us follow up with another goal so quickly as well? And a brilliant play from Lerma to get the free kick. Mm. I mean, again, it was one of those, uh, he went over quite easily, but 
we got the free kick it was within Harry Wilson range and um, I think we all thought this could be top corner in fact hits the wall mm. comes comes back to Ryan who takes a shot um, Pepe Reina world class goalkeeper mm. <clears throat> Ramsdale wouldn't have spilt that he spills it and Ake great athleticism anticipation to be there and, and stick it in the corner brilliant goal I swear in another life Nathan Ake must have been a striker because even on AFCB TV he says it's just his, his natural instinct as soon as he saw Fraser shaping to shoot which is a hard thing to say. Um, he mm. stood in the same position. He didn't sort of move back and he was anticipating some kind of rebound. He did that in our 3-0 at Stamford Bridge um, when Junior Stanislas had a shot and we won 3-0. Uh, he, he waited, he got a Liverpool touch on it. Exactly, Liverpool as well. Mm. Um, yeah. And he seems to mop up and he seems to have that natural instinct. And, you know, dare I say it, there are other players, strikers for Bournemouth, who may not have that natural instinct. But great for him to... Uh, be there right place right time I was right in front of that because I just walked down and uh, you know I don't particularly like filming during matches and I kind of have it sort of you know docked on my coat so to speak so I can actually enjoy it and lo and behold when I get it out I see this free kick and I just thought oh you know what I'll just I'll just you know I'll just stand there and lo and behold what a piece of video that I managed to get so it's on the it's yeah. on the vlog if you go to ASCBpodcast.com uh, uh, you can see it on there on the YouTube section or just go onto YouTube itself but yeah what a reaction and once again it was so nice to see the players jumping on top of each other everyone smiling team spirit um, you know there were questions over team unity but when you see celebrations like that you can't you can't question it can you not at all that that sense of togetherness was there yesterday in spades mm. and that's what we need for the next well to the end of the season it's what we need mm. i think i think the signs were good against brighton certainly in that purple patch we had but that yesterday was probably the most consistent performance yeah. from naught to 90 that we've put in well since chelsea mm. but he, but you know playing playing a sort of our brand of football that's probably the best performance since Everton or Saints, you know, it was it's a long time ago since we were able to play like that for a, for a ninety minute period. And as Andy Jennings said, defensively, <coughs> uh, we've looked uh, as decent as as we have all season in that game. And you know, it, ironically, it was probably our best performer this season uh, that actually, um, you know made a mistake for their equal uh, their sorry not their equaliser their consolation at 2-1 but obviously that was in the second half before that certain Jefferson Lerma uh, picked up his second yellow now the first one was where Grealish was you know going through on goal and he just has that drop of the shoulder and he went one way he couldn't really move out of the way there was a bit of professionalism about it the second one though again I think it was on Grealish as well wasn't it um, I'm not I'm not sure about that well I think uh I think Grealish is, he's that sort of player. He's the most fouled in the Premier League. I read a stat that it's yeah. like 111 That's fouls right, 113 this or something. season, yeah, isn't it? Something, something like yeah. that. So um, he is that sort of player. He looks for free kicks and he's good at winning them. Um, I thought the referee had a poor game yesterday. Yeah, there were like a number it, yeah. of number of um, challenges. I thought that the way... The, if you compare it to the way Mings blocked Gosling in the first few minutes... Not a lot in it. In, not a lot in it. Mm. And he didn't even give a penalty yeah. or a, a free kick. He, well, he, he would have had to give a penalty. Obviously, he's reluctant to do that. But it was a precisely similar um, decision. It looks to me like uh, Grealish runs into mm. Lerma more than uh, Lerma sort of changes his position or anything. And he goes to ground as well, which actually in that position, you just bounce off something. You don't go to ground. Mm. And that, that's, I think, what was frustrating. The, then the frustration is compounded by the fact that not only does the ref give the free kick, for, but books him for an obstruction. Yeah. Oh, come on. You know, it was really soft. And also, I, I don't know, but on just watching the highlights back on, I wasn't aware, I'm, I'm never aware of suspensions and how long people get, etc. But Chris Temple, after the first booking, said he's out for two matches now. And then he gets another yellow and then a red. And now he's only out for one match. Work that out. I, 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 what's that all about? So, so I think he's out for the next game against Sheffield United. Then he comes back. If he picks up a yellow against Burnley, 
then he gets suspended for two. Right, so... Because he'll have reached ten yellows. So okay. we're likely to miss him for three games between now and the end of the season. Yes. Well, we're going to miss him definitely for one. Yeah, I've... let's hope that's not the case, but... Mm. Can you see him staying yellow card free for the, from now until the end of the season? No, quite quite possibly not. But I, I, I thought he was I thought he was very solid yesterday. And him, I, I, yeah. I, I think the mixture we had was actually very good between... Uh, you know Gosling, Billing, and Lerma. We've and we've criticised the same trio before um, for maybe not having that creativity and getting the ball out wide quickly, like someone like Sermon could or Lewis Cook. But I thought they worked really well together, and we seem to have uh, some natural width and some direct attacking play. And so good to see players flooding forward like they you know like they used to. I thought I thought it was brilliant. Well, we we typically we we are very good at letting teams come onto us to the halfway line mm. and then we press them yesterday what was different was we were not letting them get out of their 18 yard box no, that's right you know we were really at them and i think what that does is it pushes adam smith and rico further forward and it just automatically floods that that sort of half of the attacking half with more players mm. so you know it, it it's a, a sign of confidence can I also say that Villa were poor yesterday? Yeah, yeah Mu- they were. Much worse than I thought. And um, you can contrast the team that we had with uh, one individual and ten others that yeah. they had. I mean, Grealish is, is you know, for all his shithousery uh, that he seems to do, he's, he's a talented player, isn't he? And, uh, he's, he's a phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. One that I would happily see in a red and black shirt, 100%. Yeah. And if they do go down, surely to God, he's going to get plucked out by someone in the Premier League. Yeah. He's shown he can do it at a very high yeah. level. And everything went through him. Um, he's just got that swagger and that sort of know-how um very natural intelligent footballer and you know most good things went through him and he, he managed to set up a couple of chances for I think it was Nakamba who blasted over a couple of times uh but then um he was instrumental in uh the goal that made it 2-1 um yep. where he was involved in the build-up play and then there was a sort of uh, half clearance was it and Ramsdale yeah, ricocheted off it, yeah it ricocheted off, off Simon Francis goes up in the air I think it was one of those bit like um, for those of a certain vintage Maradona against Shilton the hand of God yeah, goal yeah very true you very know, similar it, yeah. it was like that and you, you, you whereas uh, yeah but Samata was a bit taller so he didn't need to cheat hmm. and <laughs> Ramsdale didn't quite get there and I thought his judgment, he, he, he had one in the after that, which uh, where he punches the Villa player rather than actually connects with the ball. You know, just a couple of sort of flaky moments, which are rare for him. He's been on brilliant form. Mm. Um, but he possibly will look at that and think, no, I shouldn't have come for that because I was not going to get it. Mm. And there was... But, and there was an opportunity yeah. as well. I can't remember if that was the, just before that, where he basically did the same thing, but you know, virtuously the header went over the bar onto the top of the netting. Um, yeah. So he came a bit early for that as well. So uh, one of the poorer performances, but still, um, you know, you can't really blame him for having a one blooper. Well, I've got to say, he did the one world class save, which was uh, the inside of his right calf. I think deflected oh, from the ball out. Yeah, from Grealish, which was which was that was a one nil possibly yeah, it was, anyway yeah. it was it was in the first half and uh he didn't know much about it but that save was critical the the, the issue with Grealish I think is that Aston Villa players don't put in a shift because they think Grealish will do it all for us yeah quite possibly true and I think there's something as well in the way Grealish plays that he he takes some weird decisions where he shoots and you're thinking, why is he shooting from that angle and not passing? Mm. It's kind of like, because he feels like he's the sort of, yeah. the messy like figure that they've got. I think he overdoes it and they definitely overdid it yesterday. They didn't play as a team. They played as like one star man who, who, yeah, you know, he got them back in the game, but it, uh, some curious decision making. Mm. Um, can I also call out Tyrone Mings who played a brilliant pass to Ryan Fraser for our goal? Yeah. So yeah. you know that that uh, that two assists from Mings yesterday for us. Yeah, I thought you. That, you know thanks Tyrone. I think he's still hearts his his hearts over his there. Heart's so, you still, know, his heart's still here. He got the last it's touch for good. Harry Wilson's goal at Villa Park as well. So I think yeah, he loves us he's, really. He's um, I think the feeling is fairly mutual, despite the fact <laughs> that we were all saying you're just a shit Nathan Ake and all that kind of stuff. And, you know what a waste of money. He's done well for them, and it's um it's obviously a good fit for him. So uh, you know all the best to him and. 
I actually hope Villa stay up. Um, but we will see. I, you know, you look at me and think, you know, have they got the quality? You sort of, at one stage, we were thinking, right, what are the three teams that are worse than us in the Premier League? And it was hard to see that ourselves. But I think Villa might be one of them. Uh, Norwich definitely are, mm. despite the fact they beat us 1-0. And then it's one more club. Um, hopefully it's not us. But, you know, what a, what a good time to come into some form, isn't it? It's a brilliant time and you should also look at West Ham. I think they should be really worried. They've yeah. got Liverpool and City away the next two games oh, and they've run a fi- they run a fixtures for the next I think it's the next seven or eight. If they get if they get one win out of their next eight, mm. I'll be impressed. Really because wow. it is really tough. And if you if you think that we can pick up a few points in our next few games, all it takes is to build a gap. Yeah. And I think I think West Ham um, and Watford. Watford had a poor game against Everton. Mm. They were two 0 up in that match and lost three two yesterday. So it's all to play for at the bottom, you know. It's funny how the gauge, you know, your gauge of a, a successful season can change uh, match to match because obviously, you know, a couple of weeks ago we'd have been saying, uh, well, staying up was now that's obviously the main aim now. But you sort of look above us and you think, well. There are teams like Burnley that are only like four points ahead of us now. It, it seemed like they were miles away a couple of games ago. And you're kind of thinking, well, you know, we could catch teams like that and then we could start to look up. And yeah, we have got some really difficult matches ahead, but there are also some winnable ones as well. Um, so you're feeling, you know, to conclude, I mean, I don't think much happened else in the match. I'm just trying to see, not not an awful lot. But, you know, after that, the elation of full time and you're starting to... You know, be optimistic about things. Yeah, really, really comfortable. I thought the one, the one thing that we did do really well with ten men. I thought we defended really well as a team. We were really dogged and threw our bodies on the line, which was brilliant to see. But also, we were a threat on the counter. And that last minute chance, you might have been outside the stadium already, mm. but there was Callum was played for oh, no, a delicious there, yeah, ball. Yeah. yeah, that delicious ball from Harry Wilson down the line, and then he crosses it for for Ryan Fraser and Weeman just needed to grow about two yeah. inches, and he just he just stuck that away, which. I think that is how we can play. Again, it was like right to the 90th minute, we were still giving it a go, going for that third goal. And that was, it was just brilliant. Great performance. The huddle afterwards, yeah. I thought it was again, you know, apparently it was Fletch leading the motivational speech in there about uh, that siege mentality is definitely there and working to our favour. We got two tough away games. So, yeah, the only way is up. Hopefully, it's a nice uh, challenge to overcome because in the Premier League, you know, if you're just swimming along nicely in sort of mid table, there's nothing to really play for. But we've got something to play for, so it's kind of good because you know we miss that really. I mean, I don't, I don't particularly want to be going through this every season. However, it's just nice that this is probably the first time since our first season in the Premier League where we've been in real trouble, and yet we seem to be putting in a shift. Now it's not over. And we know that some dire performances could come back, but I think it's going to give the you know a lot of belief um, yeah. to the squad there. And yeah, I was there for that Fraser chance. I I saw the huddle. I actually I right. It's funny. I um I was in row M. I was in a different seat in the north stand, and I went to my seat at like two fifty six. And some woman complained because I, you know, she had to get up for me to go past. And then I went down for a beer at like 3.42, just before the Nathan Ake goal. She was like, oh, yeah, you know, last one in, first one out, you know, loyal supporter and all that. It's like, if only you knew. Yeah, if only you knew. <laughs> but, but um, you know. Not I, a I, podcast I, listener then. Yeah, I don't care. I don't, don't care. I'm thick skinned like that. But um, some of the YouTube comments I get, I have to be. I don't know if you've seen the Villa YouTube comments after our preview, mate, but we, we, we were getting pelters on youtube for not doing why why well apparently we needed to get our facts straight according to some people but you know actually you know i I think an apology is due to villa fans because i said 2-0 and you said 3-1 and we we both got it wrong (laughs) yeah exactly and that's the only apology you're getting lads um but yeah it was um it was really good and then i went down um and i did i did stay to the final whistle and then i legged it out to do the chats and ah you know what just what was great about the chats is everyone that I spoke to had a smile on their face. The first person to come along was little Thomas and he had his say, which is great. Pundit of the future. Um, nice to meet Zach as well. American cherries um, as yeah. well. And he, 
lucky charm and loads of people have said it to him uh, 4-0 over Chelsea 3-1 against Brighton and now this 2-1 over Villa um, someone needs to give him work permit and have him yep. over here permanently they really do <laughs> but everyone has got a smile on their face and it's, it's going to be an uplifting week now isn't it Jeff? I think so we've got uh, we've got 26 points I do think we need 40 I think that means four wins and two draws Okay, look at the fixtures coming up. Sheffield United and Burnley, they have two draws we could get there. Four wins. I'm looking at the fixtures thinking, right. Champions League. <laughs> well, no, I, I think we, we can beat uh, Palace. I think we can beat Newcastle. I think we can, I mean, we can beat Southampton. Mm. But they'll probably get upset if they hear this. Yeah, yeah. And I think possibly, you know, one of Chelsea or Spurs at home mm. are beatable as well. So there are, there are games there that we can we can get points from. Mm. Uh, just got to put the performance in and, and get those get those points on the board, boys. Yeah. Before uh, we sign off talking about this match, can I trouble you for a man of the match after yesterday? There, there <sighs> there's a lot of people that could be up for this, but I want to see what you say. I didn't hear. Yeah, I didn't I... actually hear the sponsors' man of the match yesterday, or did I? No, I don't think I did. So, I'm not too sure who that was. But what? Who, who was yours? Well, a, a few weeks ago, he got it undeservedly just because he scored two goals. Yesterday, I thought, as I said earlier, it was a total midfield domination performance from Philip Billing. Yeah. More of the same, please. Hi, this is the big un, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. Now, if you were ever in doubt about AFC Bournemouth losing their community edge, um, I advise you to listen to the next five minutes or so. Sometimes, especially now that we've been in the Premier League, there's always the opinion that the club is maybe not as engaged with its fans as it once was. Some people could say that's the case, but one person who definitely couldn't is Dan Hall. You might know Dan from Twitter or Facebook. He's been fighting leukaemia for the past, wow, quite a few years now six seven maybe even more and he is Bournemouth's number one fan he goes to most games and has been to meet the players many a time and there's such a close bond between players staff and Dan Hall including a certain Mr Eddie Howe whose number he has pretty much on speed dial Dan texted him some words of encouragement when times were tough and he said you know we're going to keep fighting like Dan has over these years and my goodness they came out fighting on Saturday didn't they but it transpires that the good performance may not just be down to Eddie and his tactics but Mr Dan Hall himself uh, Dan was invited in to speak to the players last week to give them a bit of an inspirational team talk. So I asked Dan how it all came about. Yeah, hi Sam. Hi fellow Cherry fans. Um, it came about, um, basically, I think it was after the Watford game. Um, I just sent Eddie Howe a text message with a little bit of support, say, uh, keep going. Um, you've got my full support and all those a few minority that I'm sure he was aware of, didn't support it. I just wanted to make sure that he he knew that he still had a lot of us genuine long-term fans there. Um, I just sent a text wishing him support and basically, you know, made a joke lightly that, you know, if you ever need a chat or a bit of a, a, a team chat, I'm, I'm here. Here for the taking, laugh out loud. Didn't expect to hear back. Anyway, next day I heard back um, basically saying, we'd love to have you to come in. Um... And from that moment on, I think it was a few days later, from the Watford game, um, Fletcher tried ringing me a few times, um, Big Fletch. I was in the bath, and the the phone kept ringing a few times. Um, anyway, cut a long story short, I got out of the bath, give it a message to see who it was, and it was Steve Fletcher, and he said, can I give you a call? I said, I've, you know, replied, of course you could. Uh, he gave me a call, we were on the phone for probably 10 minutes, having a bit of a chat, and he basically said that, you know, him and Eddie had been talking and, you know, Eddie knew me quite well from a few visits and the times we'd meet and opened the Bournemouth private clinic on a hospital together. And he said, Eddie would like you to come in and see if you can um, give the lads a bit of a 
bit of a lift from a supporter's point of view. You know, tell us what the club means and how you fought your own battles, how when times are low you've got through it, etc., etc. And I was a bit shocked, but I agreed to it. And, um, yeah, that's how it came about, really. Wow, that sounds absolutely amazing. Now, I know you've been uh, and met the players before, etc., but to be invited in and basically give them a team talk, um, <laughs> I think that's amazing. So what what kind of words did you say? Um, what did I say in the team talk? Well, to be honest, I was shown in the, the players' pavilion, training pavilion, uh, and walked up by the security and the Fletch come out. And I didn't really get a chance to think. I was just sort of introduced on a microphone by Eddie Howe, where all the team had sat there, and there was a lot of backroom staff. And um, I sort of got the microphone, was asked a few questions at a time by Fletcher, and basically I just spoke from the heart. And all I said, without saying too much of what I was said, that all I said that all we want to see is a bit of fight, passion, determination, and that when times are hard or low, you fight for yourself, your family, your friends... And you just you just play for that badge, and you just make everyone in this club proud. And uh, I think the performance after that showed that. Um, whether or not I played a part or not, whether I played one percent, it was just nice to see yesterday that you know we went out there and it was fight from the off, and that made me proud. That is brilliant. That and what was the reaction like of some of the players? I mean, I've seen the photo of you with all the staff and all the players, um, which I think is absolutely superb. Um, but, yeah, what was the reaction from the players? Um, the reaction? Well, I think they're all a bit sort of, oh, who's this guy, what's going on here? Because I, I, uh, I wore a Bournemouth tracksuit to try and fit in. Um, but, no, I mean, quite a few of them know, know of me anyway. The ones that have been there a bit longer term, um, they know of me. Obviously, my story, it was in the Echo once or twice, and I've met a couple of them a few times, as you say. But um, I was looking at the faces of a certain few of them, like, Simon Francis, Lewis Cook, Aaron Ramsdale, and, and probably Ryan Fraser in particular, and they're all you know deep in. Th- it looked like they were deep in thought, and as long as I was striking home something, something make, you know, making them tick, I was pretty impressed. But uh, the reaction after the speech was that every single player came up to me individually uh, and shook my hand, and um, you know said we inspire you and what a lovely speech. And to me, you know that meant quite a bit. And I hear you also uh, had some lunch with them, is that right? Um, yeah, well, I did, I did my speech. I didn't really expect to say stay too long, to be honest. Um, but obviously I was, there, I was there for three hours in total in the end, which was nice. Got to have some lovely little chats with the players and that. But after the speech, and and they had a big photo of me on a, a big projector screen, which was a touch embarrassing, um, which was actually a picture of me at my first uh, back game back from my transplant, where I wasn't allowed to come for just over two and a half years. Which was I? My last game was Charlton away. We won the league, and I, I couldn't see the Premier League for, for nearly three seasons. So I was always worried I was never going to see it. But um, Eddie just basically said, you know, and Fletch, have you eaten? And I said, no, 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 I'm not. I'm okay. And they insisted, you know, stay and have lunch with us and you know, have a drink of lunch. And I got sat next to Eddie Howe and uh, Stephen Purchase um, and Fletcher, Jason Tyndall, all on the same table. We just had some lunch and there was some light banter. Um, I, was, I was really made to feel at home and it was a special moment. Amazing. So, I mean, Freddie fan that's listening, uh, who is thinking that the club has maybe uh, lost touch with fans, what, you know, what would your comment be? What would my comment be on that? Um, well, for me personally, and I've got another little boy who I know quite well, he's just been diagnosed with a uh, brain tumour, he's only nine, and they did a similar thing with him, I think, last week or the week before. Uh, he's a close friend of mine's son. Um He's he's got a, a very tough time ahead of him, bless him. But they did a similar thing, as I said, and to me that just speaks volumes of the club and the management. You know, Fletch said to me, not many clubs would do this, and I, I generally believe it as well. Not many clubs would get fans in, let them see around in such dark times, important times, transfer deadline day of all days, and do such things. Um, I don't think this club will ever lose its value of the fans. We're a family club, community club. And it's the fans that make the club. And uh, I think that shows. Top stuff. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It really means a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's superb that we've got um, you know, a manager like Eddie that's always keen to you know, keep a close involvement with its supporters. I've, I've met him before as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a thing that they do fairly under the radar, 
as well. So, you know, to have this also publicised, I think, is is such a good thing. But it just shows that there is always the connection there. And, uh, yeah, well, I applaud you for that team talk, mate. And hopefully, hopefully you can send some wise words to them ahead of Sheffield United. But, Dan, thank you so much. And up the cherries. I'm Tara Mings, and you are listening to Back of the Net. We are Chef United. They call us to So on Sunday, AFC Bournemouth are travelling to Bramall Lane. And, well, it should be an interesting match against the Blades. It's live on BT Sport, I think. It's a it's a two o'clock kick-off. And after the match uh, on Saturday, uh, Cherry's are hopefully going to be going into it with a lot of optimism. And, you know, who knows, maybe even some players back. Not so much David Brooks, but... Certain Mr. Josh King might feature as well. How good would that be? What a boon to have him back in the squad. Yeah, that would be a real lift, I think, for everybody. Uh, question is, after the performance against Villa, whether he'd make the starting eleven. Mm. Um, we are going to be without Lerma, which is obvious. So who's going to play in that midfield slot? Um, and, yeah, I might be inclined to give Lewis Cook a go in that midfield, make that the midfield three, Cook. Billing and Gosling, um, yeah. But he might play Sermon for more of a defensive rock in there. I don't know. It's going to be interesting that call. Other than that, I can't see too many changes. King may be on the bench and he'll get the last thirty to replace Callum. Interesting you say about Lewis Cook. We had a uh, voice note that was submitted uh, to the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago when you know when times were a little bit more tougher, uh, a little bit more tough. Is that bad English? I don't know. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it was from Richard, uh, who is in rugby, and he is a podcast listener. And he said that at the time it felt like Eddie Howe has got an aversion to playing Lewis Cook. So this is what he said at the time. Just quickly want to mention Lewis Cook cannot understand in a team that's not creating any chances why our most creative player never gets a start. Sure, when he has come on recently, he's hardly set the world alight, but what do you expect from a player who comes on and plays bit parts for five minutes like he did yesterday or has played out of position? Surely he's got to be given a start and he's got to be played regularly in his best position so that he can actually work up some form and get back to the Lewis Cook that we uh, saw last season. Yeah, so those were Richard's opinions there, and you know it seemed to it seems to be that Lewis Cook has been a player that comes on after sort of eighty five minutes and doesn't get that much time in a cherry shirt. And considering he was the player that we all thought that we were going to be revolving the team around, um, uh, yeah, you know, and the fact that you're saying that it could be Andrew Sermon indicates that you know maybe he maybe he isn't going to go with him, you know, and it could be Sermon. Maybe uh, I just I just feel that. Lewis Cook deserves a chance when the team is playing with a bit more confidence. Mm. Oh, yeah, and, I agree, actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think playing on that run, the sort of player he is, it's, 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 yeah, there was a lot of pressure on him to be the creative genius, mm. and I think he's been struggling for game time, but actually now the team's being performing better, he might fit in more easily. I'd be inclined to give him the start. Yeah, I would. so, so would I, because there have been a couple of matches that I've seen before um, where he plays, where he's played with so much aggression, he crunches into tackles. And yeah. that's the Lewis Cook that I want to see, because we're going to need that without Lerma. I mean, Billing yeah. is that natural interceptor, and you know Gosling is the disruptor in the middle. But it would be so good to have him in there, but see him crunching into challenges and, you know, being also dynamic with the ball as well. Um, I, you know, I agree that he should he should start. But in terms of formation, do you think that kind of four five one should be the order of the day as well, where we have the three in the middle and then the two wide men that can, you know, both attack into a four four three, sorry, four three three, you know, when we're moving yeah. forward. 
I think clearly that that's the favoured formation of the last two games. Well, the last game and a bit of the Brighton game. And I think it works. So I would be inclined to use that against Sheffield United. What they're good at is winning games by the odd goal. Often 1-0 as they did yesterday. They play quite a defensive sort of setup, mm. um, and we we came up against that when we played them earlier this season. You know they're really dogged. They're they're not they're not bad as a team. They're quite skillful, um, and they play well for each other. So it's not going to be easy. They are going to be um, they're going to be motivated. Mm. I think to win this. Certainly, uh, uh, if he starts, Lise Musse will be motivated. Mm. So yeah, that's very we should. We shouldn't expect an easy ride and uh, it's going to be a real test of our renewed belief and how, how strong it is. Yeah, let's let's forget how strong Liverpool are in the fact that they're going to win the league for a minute. If it wasn't for Jurgen Klopp, do you think that um, the Sheffield United manager, Chris Wilder, would be potentially up for manager of the season? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. They've, they've overperformed. I mean, everybody had them nailed on to be in the, the sort of bottom we all two, did. two yeah. or three positions as we did, and they've outperformed uh, the league just amazingly well, and uh, with players who aren't necessarily household names. I mean, you know, uh, the goalkeeper is uh, on loan from United, isn't he, as a reserve, yeah. Henderson, and then uh, they've got uh, Fleck, who, yeah. you know, they're, 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 they're sort of... Uh, McGoldrick, my goodness me, yeah. you know, player who it didn't even play that brilliantly for Forest all those years ago seems to be that um, I was chatting to um, a couple of Sheffield United fans on the first game of the season actually it was, our, it was when we first launched the podcast in terms of being on YouTube chat to a few Sheffield United fans there and they said that you know Bournemouth is effectively the bru- the blueprint of what they sort of need to do this season it's very very similar with the sort of players that they brought with them and they've stayed loyal to those players but they've you know they spent money along the way as well they 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 made yep. some acquisitions as well over the transfer deadline day and it's you know it's all looking bright for them and you know credit to them they've they've you know they've excelled this season they've done you know they've done a lot better than Bournemouth did in the first season put it that way yeah and and it's built on defensive solidity mm. you know that that uh, that back four doesn't give up goals very easily. I, I'm not sure what their goals against tally is, but it's not many. Mm. And um, you know, they they nick games. They they don't pummel teams four or five, but they do nick them one nil on two one. And they they're good. It's gonna be it's gonna be a test. They uh, Bramall Lane is a difficult place to go. Great atmosphere there. A lot of home fans get right behind the team. And you know, Liverpool struggled there. Um, yeah. Who knows? I'm optimistic, mm. but um, we shouldn't be under any illusions that it's going to be a walk in the park. No. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, you know what I'm going to do, Jeff. I'm going to ask you the question. What is your prediction for the match? I'm sure that after the weekend's uh, match on Saturday, um, it's it's probably vastly improved than you know what it would have been otherwise. So what are you thinking? I think we've got a chance to get a point, maybe three points. Um, I think if we come away with a a 0-0 or a 1-1, I'd actually be happy. So Mm. I'm going to go for a 1-1. Once again, you've... You've plucked that score. Of, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a Desmond then. I'm going to go for a 2-2. And oh, okay. that's what I Sorry, think sir. is going to happen. But yeah, um, who knows? Fingers crossed we can carry on this momentum. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's let's uh, get a morale-boosting win away at Sheffield United and then we can go for another morale-boosting victory against the, the, the beautiful football of Burnley. Excellent stuff. Okay, cheers, Jeff, once again for being on the podcast preview. Thanks for having me, Sam. Have a good one and up the cherries. Up the cherries. So there you go. Really enjoyed putting this podcast together. It was great to do some videos on YouTube over the weekend, a vlog, which, uh, yeah, a few acres, ridiculous antics. Go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast to see that. Remember, if you want to support what we do, you can always buy us a coffee. Just go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee or check the link on our Twitter bio. Thank you for all the donations that we've had, but above all, the messages have been absolutely brilliant. Plus, 
the reviews we're getting on iTunes and podcast apps and stuff, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, we do it because we love the club. And um, hopefully it's going to be a Premier League club. Um, Really good performance against Villa. Let's carry it on against Sheffield United. Remember, do you remember at the start of the show was featuring an ex-AFC Bournemouth and Aston Villa player. Now, for me, of course, you'd say Tyrone Mings. That's the first one that comes into your head if you're of the newer generation. However, late 80s, early 90s, do you remember that defender? Of course, it was, drumroll please, Mr. Sean Teal. Good defender, did really well for Villa and, yeah, won a League Cup. So, yep, Sean Teal was the answer to Do You Remember? Okay, so safe journeys if you're travelling to Sheffield United. Um, We're going to do a a mega quick turnaround again. It's going to be out again next Monday morning. Hopefully, it's going to be another positive one. It's so nice to do it when we're smiling. Who knows, though? But make sure you subscribe and also go to YouTube and do the same as well because there's going to be cherry content throughout the week. Thanks for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Have a good week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.